Okay, real talk. When did paying someone back become social media? What do you mean? Let's say I'm trying to lurk on you. You know, see what you're doing and who you're doing it with. I can stalk your pay app and find out what you're doing. Oh, yeah, that's, that's kind of weird. You do that? Not anymore. <laughs> I use Apple Cash. It's built into your iPhone, easy and secure. You can send and receive money right in messages. So no public feeds. And the money is immediately available to use with Apple Pay. Babe, did you just send me a dollar on Apple Cash? I just said our cash isn't content. Shh. <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. You may have heard that most people who are black have O blood type. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help us save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. After. 11 years almost of being a father and four children. My wife still believes I don't know what I'm doing when it comes to these kids. <laughs> Dead ass. <laughs> oh, what? You just going to agree with that? <laughs> I just have to say that moms just be knowing all the time. It's the instinct. Dead ass. Hey, I'm Kadeen. And I'm DeVal. And we're the Ellises. You may know us from posting funny videos with our boys. And reading each other publicly as a form of therapy. Wait, I make you need therapy? Most days. Wow. <laughs> oh, and one more important thing to mention. We're married. Yes, sir, we mm -hmm. are. We created this podcast to open dialogue about some of life's most taboo topics. Things most folks don't want to talk about. Through the lens of a millennial married couple. Deadass is a term that we say every day. So when we say deadass, we're actually saying facts. 100. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. <laughs> we about to take Pillow Talk to a whole new level. Deadass starts right now. This is how crazy mothers be, right? <laughs> Where are you going with this, Deval? Mothers don't even believe that the mothers that mothered them, their own mothers, know how to mother their kids as good <laughs> as them, even though their mothers raised them. Case in point. Mimi has helped us take care of all four of our kids. We yeah. now have Dakota, mm -hmm. right? Every time Mimi goes to hand Dakota off to Kadeem, it's a fucking standoff. Right? <laughs> okay? Mimi comes in with Dakota, well-greased, well-powdered. Oh, yeah. Babe, baby smelling good, wrapped like a triple-deck burrito because she got <laughs> mad blankets on and a heat on 85, right? And the minute she walks into the living room, right, it's like, Kadeen stands up. She stares her mother in the face, grabs Dakota, unwraps the first blanket, <laughs> throws the blanket on the couch. They don't lose eye contact. Then she unwraps the second blanket, 
throws it on the floor. Takes the last blanket, throws it over the shoulder, snatches the coda, and then walks away. <laughs> and I'm just like, why it gotta be like that? Like, why is it a battle to see who can a battle to see who can mother the best? Like, <laughs> like why y'all just can't like give each other it's, some like uh, accolades, flowers while y'all alive, and just say, hey, mom, your version of mothering is just as good as mine. No, it is a battle, and I just be sitting there like, man, listen. All right, you know what? Let's get into karaoke and we come back to the story time because we can unpack that whole story time, okay? Let's unpack it. Let's unpack it. We're going to bring y'all to karaoke, right? And this karaoke is brought to you by my wife, He Dean. likes it my way, <laughs> my way. No, he don't. What I say goes, I'm in control. Ah, I love karaoke time. That might be one of my new favorites. But anyway, <laughs> let's go into a break real quick. We're going to get into some ads and we'll be back. Okay, real talk. When did paying someone back become social media? What do you mean? Let's say I'm trying to lurk on you. You know, see what you're doing and who you're doing it with. I can stalk your pay app and find out what you're doing. Oh, yeah, that's, that's kind of weird. You do that? Not anymore. <laughs> I use Apple Cash. It's built into your iPhone, easy and secure. You can send and receive money right in messages. So no public feeds. And the money is immediately available to use with Apple Pay. Babe, did you just send me a dollar on Apple Cash? I just said our cash isn't content. Shh. <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Hey, what's good, y'all? I think it's important for you to understand why black representation in media is important. It's important because the media represents how people view us. And it's important that they understand that black people are not a monolithic people. That is a fact. And the next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truth. Black Stories, Black Truth is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Schmurder to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, y'all, losing two loved ones in a matter of six months, it can be a lot. And a lot of times when you're dealing with grief, you have a lot to get off your chest with your family. That's absolutely right. You know, people carry around all different types of stresses, big and small. When you keep them bottled up, it can start to affect you negatively. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to kind of figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com deadass today to get 10% off your first visit. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot deadass. 
During the break, let's quickly talk about a couple things that are important to most people I know. Comfort and style. Crocs classic clogs and sandals have both covered. When I'm talking about style, I mean personal style. There are just so many colors and so many gibbet charms that you can add to the Crocs to make them unique. You can dress up your Crocs to match your mood, to match your personality, to fit the occasion, and you can change them up day to day. I mean, ultimately, you can stand out from the crowd in a way that only you can because it's your personal style. And now, let's talk about comfort. You know... It doesn't get better than Crocs, clogs, and sandals when it comes to being comfortable. Style and comfort are usually a trade-off, but here, they're a package deal. It's like you have cushions on your feet. Soft, stylish, personalized, colorful cushions. That's right. So why wait? Head over to Crocs.com today and experience the comfort and style of Crocs classic clogs and sandals for yourself. Your feet will thank you. Yo, Period. Let me tell That's you, just what it is. This is a big battle in our house. That's still, just what it is. Four kids. Four kids. Because there's always constantly evolving things. So back to story time. You know, let me unpack the burrito that is Dakota, okay? <laughs> and my mom. So, you know, my mom claims that she says, anytime I ask her about it, I'm from the old school. This is how we used to do things back in the day. Clearly, back in the day as in when she re- was raising me, and that's been a couple decades ago well, right? Mm, yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, almost, almost four. Four score. No, what's what's four score? Shut up. Four decades. No way. Anyway, I will be <laughs> fabulous as I push that number. But um, you know, so clearly she she feels like what she does is the the right way and the only way. Well, you made it here, didn't you? Right, and didn't I did make it here. Okay, safe and sound. Okay. I'm all right. Well, you know, skin is nice and hydrated because I've been greased. Yes. In <laughs> you always smell good sufficiently mm-hmm. over the years. Yes. Um, but it's a thing with Dakota and the blanket. So she'll have the house, first of all, like you said, on like Jamaica. That's what the thermostat says. <laughs> and then after she brings me to brings him to me, clearly the baby's starting to sweat profusely and may die of heat stroke because he's wrapped in about he won't four die blankets. Because you're still here. <laughs> four blankets. <laughs> but some days I'd be a little off. You never know. Um, <laughs> but he has on four blankets, and then under the four blankets, there's the fleece onesie. That he's also in, in addition to it is the cold. onesie that's inside. It's cold and with flu season. socks also. But so I get it. It's cold and flu season. Yeah. But to, to, to go back to your initial point, every mom feels like the way they do things is the right and the only way. And it may have a lot to do with the fact that these babies have been in our bodies for nine plus months, sometimes less, and then they're maybe in a NICU and having to be tended to for you know uh, months or weeks and we just feel like we know what's best there's a thing that happens when you have a baby and the baby goes from your inner womb to the outer world that you feel like now i can no longer protect this child there's a thing that happens 100 percent birth that's not a thing <laughs> we know what happens no we know birth happens but the thing is that we feel like now we can't protect this child you can't a hundred percent the way we did before you when can. they were in utero mm-hmm. so that being said every mom i'm sure has their process some people rely on that maternal instinct to kick in which i think is a definitely a real thing um but does the paternal instinct kick in for you yes and there are some interesting studies. I'm going to read some of them because trouble 
found them for me okay <laughs> listen he purposely made sure triple found something to support his argument today no i didn't i didn't i didn't say triple find something to support this i just said i just need some stats mm-hmm. about divorce and kids i That's need all some I need, stats right? he sounded like cairo facts and stats shout out <laughs> to my boy uh, cairo <laughs> a staggering 67 percent of couples in the study reported a decline in relationship satisfaction after the arrival of the first baby the decline typically shows up between six months for women and nine months for men after the baby comes home. The divorce rate for couples with children is as much as 40% lower than those without children. Oh. Mo- mainly because most people will stay together. Stick it together for children. the kids. Yep. 76%. Half of all children in the United States will witness the ending of a parent's marriage. According to various studies, the three most common causes of divorce are conflict, arguing, uh, irretrievable breakdown in the relationship, lack of commitment, infidelity, and lack of physical intimacy. The least common reasons are lack of shared interests and incompatibility between partners. Now, mm, interesting. This is the reason why I brought those stats up. Mm-hmm. We just had dinner with friends of ours, couple married, just had their second child, and they were speaking to us about the issues they have in their marriage. Mm-hmm. 95% of the issues that they have in their marriage are around the children, how they raise and care for their children individually. Mm-hmm. I have another friend who just had a baby. Same exact conversation he's having with me from husband to husband, right? And like I said, I'm not an expert, but this is what I've deduced, right? I've asked both men and both wives what seems to be the issue. Mm-hmm. It all stems back to the wives feeling like you said, the baby was inside of me. I am the baby's mom. I had to be in control and to cover this baby from everything for 10 months. Mm -hmm. Now the baby's outside of me. I cannot just turn this baby over to you or Mm -hmm. anybody and say, here, I trust you. It's just difficult. It is very difficult. I agree with that. And it's damn near impossible. Because anything that comes out of my body, I don't trust it with nobody. (laughs) Except for shit. Don't keep that. Don't I was keep about to shit. say anything like what? But I understand that that stance. You understand? You understand no, I completely understand, understand. And I agree with you 110%. And I'm glad you acknowledge that because. But there's a but. Mm-hmm. It takes two people to make a baby. Mm-hmm. And fathers have to be allowed to parent. Mm-hmm. Right? I'll give you another example that I've noticed. When I was in Brooklyn mentoring for 10 years, 75% of the kids, three out of the four, didn't have father figures in their lives. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the moms that I dealt with were, and I only say dealt with, because these, like, these were like our family, our they were. clients. Yeah. I, and I don't even like Still to call like them clients because yeah. they were more than clients. You know, mm-hmm. these, these were our, this was our community, our village mm-hmm. of people. Over 400 athletes, you would say 300 of them didn't have fathers in their lives. The vast majority of these women were really, really strong, great women. But I did notice a pattern with them. When it came to their children, very different to when when it was boys and girls, but when it came to their children, they had a fear of relinquishing power to the people that they claimed they trusted with their children. Mm. They questioned everything, they challenged everything, but then said, I trust you to do this. And at the same time, wasn't allowing these people to do their job and then complained to these people when they couldn't get the job done and didn't realize how much of a detriment they were to that relationship. Mm. I've seen them do this with coaches. I've seen them do this with teachers, principals, mentors. And then I I said to myself, 
I can't imagine how difficult it had to have been to be this child's father trying to be in this mm. child's life because remember I told you a bunch of stories of men who were trying to be present mm -hmm. and were constantly pushed aside you know what I'm saying and being told I got this I don't need you but then being told mm. why aren't you fathering well I wonder what it is is it a control thing is it a thing where the moms are thinking let me vet these people around my children to see that they are indeed going to be you know, um, fulfilling something for my children versus being a detriment to them? Like, does it ultimately just boil down to control? Because I feel like that was some of the issues that some right. of our friends have expressed, that it was a matter of just wanting to have control over the situation and versus absolutely. genuinely feeling like the father or the mother, depending, well, is equipped enough to handle their responsibilities. This is why I, I really want to talk about this topic because I think it's it's a two-person responsibility, right? Mm -hmm. The moms have to realize that you're going to have to learn to relinquish some control to people that you trust, right? Mm -hmm. But then dads are going to have to learn that you can't just walk away mm -hmm. because this woman has not relinquished that control to you immediately or, or in real time or when you want it relinquished. Mm -hmm. Because I, I didn't get involved with people's relationships. That was not my concern. Mm -hmm. But when I spoke to parents who were co-parenting, I did mm -hmm. notice that pattern, mm -hmm. right? The moms wanted the dads to parent them the way they wanted them to be parented. Mm -hmm. And the dads were like, if you're not going to let me parent the way I want to parent, I don't need to be involved. You have it all. Uh, and that's when I started to, I was like, this needs to be discussed. So at that point, it's like the father wants to just wash his hands and be like, all right, well, if you have it under control, then well, don't ask me for nothing. Sometimes it was the fathers washing their hands and sometimes it was the, the moms creating distance on purpose mm. as a way to Keep control. Right. Because as the kids get older, then the kids start to say, well, I want to do this with my dad. Mm -hmm. And then I watch sometimes the moms would find a way to create a wedge. Mm -hmm. So that they, because and it was a fear thing. It wasn't like a, just a malicious. I'm going to make this guy suffer or make my. It was really a fear like I have to do something because I don't believe that he is capable of caring for my son or daughter mm -hmm. as good as I can. So let me create a wedge. And I used to tell the moms, like, do you realize that you're creating? Like, do you realize? Like, I've, I've watched moms at times tell parents, tell dads the wrong time to come to sessions mm. on purpose. Yikes. And then when they get there, the dad would be like, yo, you told me this time. And then she would create a rift. And then I would be like, this, I'm like, this is a pattern. I'm watching you, dude. You cannot do this. Mm -hmm. And then, and then tell, try to hold him responsible for not being there. So now my question or mm -hmm. my thought at this point is, is it a control thing or is there just like some sort of deep-rooted, vindictive nature that this woman has because of maybe her relationship with the father? So does it have anything oh, no. really to do with the children at this point or is it something that, you're, you know, is stemming from you're absolutely right. just the, the control over the kids? The fear, and this is that's a great question, the fear of turning over your kids to someone like this was created because of the way that man handled them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You mm -hmm. mishandled me. Right. So how can so I you trust can you? With, I can understand. Yeah. I and, and this is the whole point is like when you sit back and dissect the 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 entire scope mm -hmm. of the family unit mm -hmm. from the outside, not being, you know, being extremely objective because mm -hmm. I was trying to be objective as a mentor and as a, as a trainer. Right. And then dealing with the two dealing parents two that are because I'm trying to that are not even dealing with each other. Right. And I'm trying <laughs> yeah. to find what's in the best interest of the child. Right. Mm hmm. I started to notice a pattern and it was just like, okay, you don't trust him. You don't trust him not because of how he parents. You don't trust him because of how he was as a boyfriend. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So since you don't trust him because of how he was as a boyfriend, you don't trust him as a father. And since you don't trust him as a father and you notice, and I've noticed this especially with the boys, as the boys got older, they got closer to their fathers. The women created a wedge. And I had a mom, and for reasons you know I can't because these are people who have confided in us, mm-hmm. have said to me, I did that on purpose because I, I trust, I know for a fact he's going to break my son's heart. Mm. And I don't want to watch him do that. Right. Because of his inconsistency or his patterns and stuff in the past. And I'm saying, but you you do realize that you're breaking your son's heart. Right. And they couldn't even get wrap their mind around the fact that they were doing that because Mm -hmm. they were saying, like, I'm doing what's in the best interest of my son. He'll thank me later. Right. And it all goes back to those infant stages Mm -hmm. of the baby is inside and I'm the best one that can take care of it. So I create a wedge between everyone and my child so that I'm the sole person. Well, and mom is also too kind of like that buffer, you know, like we just recently learned from someone that we know that they didn't have a relationship with their father for their entire life because their mom was the person that pretty much just kept him away or just pretty much led him to believe that, his father wasn't involved or just didn't want to be. And that wasn't the truth. But mm-hmm. again, she felt like you'll thank me later, later. Yeah. Because he would probably have been inconsistent in and out the son's life, mm-hmm. always breaking his heart. Mm-hmm. So she felt like, you know what, to prevent that from happening. But it's crazy because then now as an adult, there's so much to unpack from that. Yeah. You know, where I tend to kind of have now (laughs) realized that I need to just kind of be open to it. And of course this happened earlier for us because of Jackson, he's getting Mm -hmm. older with every phase of life that our boys encounter. So we have all these different phases between Jackson and Dakota. I've also realized that I've never been a boy. Mm -hmm. I've never been a man. Mm -hmm. I've never been a black man. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it's like to exist in Mm -hmm. that space in this world. So I feel like I made the best choice possible in choosing a spouse and choosing a mate and choosing a partner who would in turn be the father to my children that I can say, you know what, wholeheartedly, I'm okay with allowing DeVal to father. Mm-hmm. But it took some time for me to get there. Yeah, yeah. You know, when Jackson was a baby and he was younger and little things that I wanted to just kind of, you know, keep him from falling off the bed, for example. Do you remember the first time mm-hmm. he fell off the bed and I blew a freaking gasket? And yeah. I was like, how did you allow this to, to happen? Now, we know with every baby that falls off the bed, it's just another thing that happens. It's and it's just like, whatever, it happens. Um, but I had to slowly learn to say, DeVal's okay yeah. with this baby. I had to go back to work, remember, full-time yeah. after Jackson. Um, and for the first, I want to say, year and a half of his life, with the exception of the four months that I had maternity leave, you were sole caretaker of sole Jackson. Caretaker. Yep. And it was me leaving in the morning and making sure there were post-its everywhere and everything was set up and all that. And I had a whole system going and you pretty much were like, to hell with your system. Yep. <laughs> I did shit the way that I wanted to. Yep. And thankfully Jackson made it out to see another day. <laughs> He's still here with us and thriving and doing well. <clears throat> but um, I had to know that and trust that with you, they would be okay and that they needed their father. And as they continue to grow and to encounter different things in life and different right. phases, that mom may not be able to speak on certain things because I've never experienced it. Um, so what I struggle with sometimes is towing the line between trying to make sure that I'm involved and that I'm mom who's raising these boys to be self-sufficient, to be respectful and all that, 
but also to not coddling them too much right or right. you know allowing them to express themselves without feeling like i have to be the one to run to their rescue all the time absolutely you know and that's what um, happened with with the bed um kadina and i just a funny quick story kadina and i had jackson he was about one and a half and he was crawling all around the bed and i had told jackson a number of times stop crawling by the edge of the bed stop crawling by the edge of the bed right so i had told kadina i said yo let him fall off the bed he'll be fine because it was a low bed in low box spring in my sister Tori's room. She had a real plush carpet. I was like, yo, he falls off the bed. That's going to be the shock he needs to be more careful. If you constantly try to save him, there's going to come a time where he's going to do something that has, is a little bit more extreme that you can't save him. He may fall down the stairs. He may fall off a cliff, for example. But if he falls off this bed onto the flush carpet and realizes that he can lose his balance, it's a life lesson for him. So I let him fall off the bed. She cursed me out. She was all pissed. But that was my method, right? I also learned through you that um, there's reasons why moms don't trust dads, right? And <laughs> that's not the reason why. That was a life lesson. But Kadeem Life lessons out, at one and a half. <laughs> hey, you got to start early. Um, <laughs> Kadeem pointed out certain things to me. Um, she was like, I, me I remember when I was watching Jackson and stuff like that. She used to call me all the time. Like, did, <laughs> did you feed Jackson? Did you feed Jackson? I used to get pissed, like super defensive. Like, I fed him. Like, I know what I got to do. This is my son. I'm not going to let him not eat, right? But then I realized the reason why she used to call and ask me that was because if she doesn't call and ask me if I ate, I won't eat. So imagine you fact. being a woman and you know that you, you help take care of this man. <laughs> but now I, the one that you have to take care of, you're trusting this person to take care of your baby. It can give you anxiety. Absolutely. And I, I never thought about that. I, I really didn't think about that. I just knew that the same way you said there's a maternal instinct, there's a paternal instinct, right? Mm -hmm. I'll feed my kids and not eat. You know what I'm saying? Like I couldn't trust that at the time, though. I was like, they, and the, and they're going to be that. out here roughing it. And I, and I get that. Uh -huh. But there's a lot of couples who don't even get to that point of realization mm -hmm. because they don't even do any accountability. Mm -hmm. So what they do is they start to just blame their partner. You don't trust me. You don't trust me. You trust my way. Trust my way. And then it's a constantly back, constant back and forth till it gets to a point where it's just like, yo, I don't want to be arguing and bickering with you no more. And they decide to split up. Mm -hmm. Once you split up, there's I've, I've noticed this with a lot of the kids, especially in Brooklyn. Kids and parents have separation anxiety. But also, um, what's the name of the um, when people leave them all the time? Oh, um, when you mean when kids always have somebody leaving them? Yeah, what's what's it called? What do they develop when kids when when kids? Um, have oh, attachment issues. So they have attachment yeah. issues, yeah. right? Imagine you're a, a woman and you're in a relationship, mm -hmm. and you you've been with this guy, and every time things go awry, mm -hmm. the guy flees, mm -hmm. and this has been your relationship for years. You happen to get pregnant, and now every time you argue about the kid, he flees. Mm -hmm. What would make this woman trust that that man with their kid? Right. You understand what I'm saying? And and then to me, this is where the accountability has to be for both people, mm -hmm. right? You as a man have to understand that it is not okay for you to leave right. during this early infant stages. Right. And as a woman, you have to be accountable to understand that you trusted this person enough to lay down with them and, mm -hmm. and have a baby. Mm -hmm. You have to relinquish some of that control to allow that person to be a father. And then what happens to those people who ne didn't necessarily trust this person you laid down with? It just might have been a smash. And then what happens? Well, you have a baby and then you have a baby with somebody you don't even know. And and, here's and that's the, a whole nother layer of things to unpack. And I've had to 
mentor and train people who've dealt with that. And you know mm-hmm. what I've noticed? I've I've I met one of the greatest couples. There was a one night stand. They had a baby. Mm-hmm. They were friends for a long time, but they were never trying to be like that with each other. Mm-hmm. But they became intimate one night. She got pregnant. They made a concerted effort mm-hmm. to co-parent, give each other space and time, but it was about communication. Mm. And it about was, the child, and, Yes, it was never a bickering. And whatever was in the best interest of the child mm-hmm. was done. Mm-hmm. And this young man, I, I met them when he was 16 years old, academically like off the charts, struggled athletically. Um, he had he had some issues with toughness because he lived with his mom. So they ended up putting him in prototype because his dad wanted him to play football. Mm. So since his dad wanted him to play football, she was just like, uh-uh, I'm going to get him some training because he was thin. Mm-hmm. And his father was like, oh, he'll learn playing football and stuff like that. So the mom chose to bring him to us. Mm-hmm. The dad was just like, I don't need nobody else to help raise my son. Mm-hmm. But the mom was like, listen, I think this is in his best interest. So the father was like, all right, we'll compromise. If you're going to let him play football... I'll let him do this. Mm-hmm. But that was just a perfect example of two people who had different styles, different ideas, but they spoke on it. Mm. And just like we told our friends, mm-hmm. the way you get through these situations is by constantly having conversations about what you need and what you want out of this relationship with this child. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So me as a father saying, babe, I need you to not call me every hour when you're at work when I have my son. <laughs> I need you to not do that right. because I, I got this. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And yes. and for you to say, well, I need you to assure me that my child ate. <laughs> That's it. You know Let saying? me see the empty ass bowl. <laughs> Let me see that empty ass bottle because stranger things have happened with you. Yes. I'm not going to lie. I've, I've gone a whole day and end of the night been like, yo, I didn't eat. Right. So I, under- I understood. You know what I'm saying? But um, I think people have to constantly have conversations and understand that Having a conversation isn't always an argument. Yep, doesn't have to be a battle. And having those constant conversations doesn't mean that your marriage is in a rut. Right. It just provides so much clarity. And then the context, I think, comes from thinking about how each person was raised. Think about how much of your background and your childhood and your parents' parenting styles and the environment that you grew up in, that all impacts how you parent. Yes. So imagine having two people with completely different ways they were raised, completely different backgrounds, completely different parenting styles, adversity that they've had to encounter, and how that then impacts how they raise their children. Then you're like loading on so many other, (laughs) you know, um, things. So I'm glad you brought that up. I want to interrupt you real quick. Yeah. Ask you this question. Answer this question. Can you give women or moms Mm -hmm. three things that they can do to help? Ease the anxiety mm-hmm. or relinquish the control and say, I'm going to let my partner take care of this. Three things that you've done or noticed. And, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be your husband or your, your baby father. Right. Or your, it just, could be other this is members. This is someone that I have to trust in this moment because right. some women don't have someone. Right. Some women only have a nanny or only have a sister, only have an aunt. Mm-hmm. What's three things you can tell these women they can do to relinquish that control and trust people? Gotcha. Well, I think the first thing is something that you said, which we've been saying, only have your children stay with or in the presence of people who you wholeheartedly trust. Mm-hmm. Like there's just certain people that, hey, this might be my friend. That's my my homegirl. We go yes. to the club. We hang out. We shop. 
but she would not be equipped to watch my children. Mm-hmm. Like meet people where they are and know what they're capable of. You know. I agree with that. So if that's the case, know who it is that that's you're going to be leaving your children with. So that's number one. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, if there are things that you're very specific about when it comes to your children, for example, my child can only eat at this certain amount of time for this a certain amount on um, this time of day. Be specific with your rollout. So you may feel like you're being neurotic like I used to do mm-hmm. with post-its. Mm-hmm. You may feel like you're being crazy. But if there's a step-by-step process for people to to follow when you leave your children with them, I think that A, eliminates any doubt for the right. person who's now the caretaker. Right. And then it gives you the reassurance that you've left everything step-by-step. Like a blueprint, exactly, for someone to follow. Um, and then that's number two. And then number three... Can you give one specifically for women who like struggling with their their spouse? Like mm-hmm. because that's what we're getting a lot of these arguments of people who uh, we had a baby together now she changed she acting different. Right. Give something and I want speak to the women but I want the men to hear it. So right. Say this is what we can work on. What's right. the third one? Um the third one I would say is that you need to not <laughs> not downplay or bash the father and his style of doing things but rather mm-hmm try to have a conversation to understand his mindset of why he did something with the child together. For example, maybe that you're playing roughhouse with the boys, right? Mm -hmm. And you're teaching them how to to fight each other, Mm -hmm. which is what you do in the house with the boys. You have Cairo and Kaz fighting each other, Jackson and Cairo. You'll have Jackson sometimes purposely pick on Kaz or Cairo Mm -hmm. just because you want to get that toughness built up in them, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Because you're sending your kids out into the world and who knows what's going to happen with them. So having the conversation to say, all right, I need to understand your mindset behind why you do this. Mm -hmm. That has helped me a lot because that made me think, okay, DeVal has been a boy. He's been a school age boy. Mm -hmm. He's had to deal with bullying. He's had to deal with all these different things that I may not have had to deal with. Mm -hmm. So he can foresee a potential of something happening down Mm -hmm. the line or in the future with my sons Mm -hmm. that I may not be able to talk them through, guide them through, because I just have not walked that walk. Mm -hmm. So I think women should be having the conversations with their husband or with their spouse or their child's father to say, hey, I'm seeing that you've been doing it this way. I don't necessarily agree with it. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think it's right, but I want to really understand why you're doing this or how you arrive at this method of doing it because it just doesn't make sense to me. And sometimes if clarity happens, right. then you have a little bit more or you'll be more willing to relinquish that control a bit. If she's willing to be understanding. Because yes. a lot of times people will ask questions only with the intent to argue or disrupt. Of course, or to challenge. argue and don't want to compromise right. either. Right. You have to be open to right. compromising. And you have to be, you know, and, and also, too, if that's the case, talk to your children on the side. Pull them to the side and be like, yo, when you was with your father, <laughs> see, see, what y'all do? That's such, I a, just mom thing. That's such a mom <laughs> thing to do. Please. I just want to make sure that everything went well, you know. Um, but, no, I think it just the conversations, just like how regular couples have conversations yeah. about finances, yeah. about plans yeah. and goals. That's definitely something that needs to be um, spoken on for sure. I got three for the gentlemen because this these dudes be like pulling their hair out like. <laughs> The first thing I would okay. say, the, the most important thing when you, when your wife is pregnant and you're about to have a kid, take some time to do a deep dive into her family history. Mm-hmm. If you can understand who she is, how her family was raised, how she was, you know, how she was raised, then you can understand where some of the anxiety may be coming from now Absolutely. that she has her heartbeat outside walking around. Absolutely. If you can understand her family history, you can sit back and say, ah, I know why. 
that triggered you or I know why mm-hmm. you choose to do this with our children. That's mm-hmm. number one. Number two, understand that the first year after a woman gives birth, it takes her all of that time to get back mm-hmm. physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So everything you're going through in this first year, and it said here on the breakdown that most people get divorced between six and nine months after having a baby, that's still within a year. The woman that you're next to right now that just had that baby is not the woman that you proposed to or laid down mm-hmm. with or got married to. Facts. So understand that it's going to take her time to get back. So when you're saying she's changed, absolutely she's changed because she had to uh, grow a baby, nurture the baby, give birth to the baby. Now nurture the baby outside of her body with yes. her body. Like so, they say, when a woman has a baby, she's then reborn. So you kind well, of have to so, reintroduce yourself to an extent. So if you, you know? if you have that understanding of mm-hmm. that as a man you will give your your wife or your girlfriend a little bit more grace mm-hmm. when it comes to dealing with these issues as opposed to being like she's being neurotic and, and ridiculous like right. if you understand that so that's one is understanding her family history two is understanding where she is physically mm-hmm. and understanding that where she is and the last one is this bro yes her to death and when she leaves do what you want to do anyway <laughs> Cause that's what I do. Like, like. Well, damn. No, seriously. Now I know I'm never leaving this house again. No, they all survived. <laughs> no, but but here's the truth though. People argue, right? Uh-huh. Because they just want to be right in the mm-hmm. moment, right? So you're telling me all of these things to do with the post-its, and most people will argue. I don't want to do this. I don't do this. You know what I did? I used to look at the post-its. Post-its. I'm looking at the post-its. You said uh, two and a half hours, right? We got four ounces, right? I'm just, uh, with the milk burping two minutes. Okay. Um, two changes in the onesie. I gotta do. Okay, I'm, I make sure I get all that done. The minute you left, I was like, rip, rip, ribbity, rip. Throw that out. He was in the same onesie all day. The onesie was open. It was just flapping. Bruh. He was walking around. Bruh. I fed him what I wanted to feed him. If he wasn't crying, he was not getting no extra bottle, and he was fine. And when you came home and you was like, "Did you do everything I told you?" I was like, "Yeah, I did it." <laughs> because it wasn't even worth it to to debate. Right. About what you told me. Let me tell y'all. I had to survive. <laughs> I had to survive. Tell y'all. Oh, I'm about to choke myself. Let me tell y'all how far we've come. Okay. <laughs> Let me tell y'all how far we've come. I got a quick story. So I'm taking Cairo to a birthday party last weekend for one of his friends. Beautiful 65 degree day in Atlanta in February. You know, and I'm like, all right, I can rock with this. Coming from New York, I'm like, this, this is it. All right, it's lit. However, he's going to a snow tubing party. So these people brought some snow in, you know, and built these two little slides with ice and snow for the kids to slide on. So the mom messaged me and say, hey, I'm so happy that Kyra can come to the party. Just make sure that you're dressing him appropriately because we're going to be doing snow tubing. So I'm like, cool. I'm thinking snow tubing is wet. It's cold. It's ice. Let me make sure that he's dressed appropriately. So I put on some long johns on him, right? Put some sweatpants on. <laughs> And then he has on his socks, his hoodie, whatever. So as we're rushing out the door because DeVal's going to drop us over to the party, um, I'm like, DeVal, where's Cairo's, you know, bubble coat? And he's just like, it's 65 degrees. I'm like, I know it's 65 degrees. However, A, you know how kids could be randomly there and be like, I'm cold, I'm hot, whatever. I bring the coat because I feel like I want to be prepared in the event that I need the coat, right? I, too, put on my coat because I'm always cold. So DeVal doesn't say anything. I get in the car. We go to the party. I'm at the party with Cairo. He's sliding down the slide. 
when we were leaving, I was just like, why are we, why are you taking the bubble coat? Well, yeah, because I asked you where it was and you were just, just like, like, why do you need why it? Need, it's, 65 and I was, it's 65 degrees. And then I was just like, I just want to bring it just in case. So then we get to the party. Cairo's going down the slide. He goes down twice. There's like mud at the bottom. So he's already instantly dirty. Cairo's pissed now because we know how Cairo stays about his clothes, y'all. He is very particular about his clothes. Remember that point when I get here to rebut this story. But continue. <laughs> continue. So Cairo is upset about the, the snow and the, 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 the mud and all that. At this point, he didn't have his bubble coat on. I just had it in my hands because I wanted to make sure, you know, just in case. So at Did the he end ever of the wear party, the bubble coat? So can I finish? Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish. Finish. So I'm there. I'm talking. You know, we're under the shade of the backyard of the people's house and whatnot. So eventually, I even start to get warm, so I take my coat off, mm. right? So Cairo and I mm. both have our coats, and they're off to the side. So we're going back to the car now when DeVal picks us up. And DeVal could not wait to ask me if we use the bubble coat or not. <sighs> we did not use the bubble coat, but you know what a mother does? A mother foresees all of the scenarios that could potentially happen. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. And if I, if I do that, what would have happened is Cairo would have been like, Mom, I want my coat. Or mom, my my sweatshirt is dirty. I want to take it off, and then I would have been ill-equipped and had to call you to come back and bring me change of clothes. So I'd rather be prepared and have the coat in the event that it got chilly and he got dirty. Are you and done? Then, this is the longest story ever. This story is longer than story time story. I just want to put that out there because you're trying to get all your details. See, in. this is the problem, y'all. This is the problem. People just be listening with the the, the intent to respond and not even let me get my story out. Finish. Your, I just want to be prepared story. as a mom. To make sure that, okay, all of the scenarios that could potentially happen, I'd rather have it. You know the mom that you has a bunch all of, of shit in her bag? You said all of the scenarios? Yes. Because you didn't prepare for the greatest scenario. And I'm shocked that you didn't prepare for this. But you know why I'm not shocked? You Go ahead, know why? You were never, Because you were never a boy. Okay? I was a boy. Uh, right? Okay, and I remember going to parties and my mom getting me dressed and having on khakis and a bow tie. And niggas just running around. And my shit. And my first thing my mother said was, don't you get them clothes dirty. It's a party. Right. But that wasn't my issue. No, but but this is where you didn't foresee things. Right. Mm -hmm. Jackson. I mean, Cairo loves that Michael Jordan hoodie. He loves it, don't he? Mm -hmm. I would have told him, don't wear that hoodie to go slide down a thing into a barrel of hay with dirt on it. You're going to get the hoodie dirt. You know why you didn't know there's going to be dirt? Because you're not a boy and you never Mm -hmm. slid down things. Right. So you should have his ass at a party. So and and I would have had I known about Mm -hmm. the party, but. I didn't know about the party. In any event, moms foresee things differently. And this is why it's important for parents to understand that not, there's no one way to do everything right. Right? If we were a team in that moment, as opposed to someone saying, I got this because I'm a mom, I wouldn't have got a text message saying that Cairo's crying because his hoodie's dirty. Because daddy would have told you, don't wear them fresh J's because they're going to get dirty. Don't wear that hoodie. Because it's going to get dirty. But did mom think about that? No. You want to know why? Because mom is not a sneakerhead. He didn't wear his Fresh Days sidebar. He wore his old Kyrie's. I let you tell your story, didn't I? Well, let you, you tell but you got to rebut with the didn't correct I facts. Didn't I let you tell your story? I let you tell your story. He did not story. wear his cool grays because I was nervous about that. So, no, he didn't wear his cool grays that he loves. Here she go, controlling the conversation. We just, just talked about control. We just let her talk about control. It's not the, control. The point, the point of my rebuttal. Mm-hmm. Is that a mom can't see everything because moms don't know everything. Y'all just claim y'all know everything. Y'all don't, especially when it comes to raising boys because you've never been a boy. Which I've said. I've right. been into that. So, but, but there's a lot of moms out there 
who will not be honest about that and still claim they know everything and still push fathers aside while trying to raise young boys, not realizing that the greatest person to help them may be their father. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that's the whole point of the conversation is, yes. listen, understand that your, pal- your spouse has a perspective. Respect their perspective. And let's not argue about who did things the right way. Which, because here's the thing. Kadeen and I didn't argue to get in the car and go to the party. Mm-mm. We didn't argue when we got back from the party. Nope. Because we both matured enough to say, hey, she's going to do what she want to do. She took him to the party. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let her walk there with the big ass bubble coats and fumble and bubble and carry it around. Because I don't got to do it. Part of the reason why I be getting upset when you be carrying a whole bunch of stuff for options is I'm the motherfucker that got to carry that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so we be walking through the airport and we got four kids. <laughs> And every kid got to have an option. I'm the one that got to carry the option while she walks around with her purse and her shades on. And I'm back there fumbling with bad bags. And then she's asking me why I'm frustrated. Because I'm I'm the one that has to carry your options. But I don't only carry options for the kids. I be having your back too. You do. you do. And I be having stuff for you because at a random moment in time, Deval just like, oh, I need a tissue. Oh, damn, I could use a snack. Oh, uh, uh. And then usually... Nine times out of ten, y'all, I got that shit in my backpack, 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 like Dora. We're going to take a break and go pay some of these ads because this is one of those moments. Pay some bills with I said this in season, I think it was season two, when your wife thinks you know everything and you're tired of arguing, you just be like, (laughs) okay, babe. This is one of those those moments. We're having a discussion, y'all. This is not an argument, but. So we're going to take a break. Come back with some listener letters. We get into <laughs> y'all business. Y'all be in our business. During the break, let's quickly talk about a couple things that are important to most people I know. Comfort and style. Crocs classic clogs and sandals have both covered. When I'm talking about style, I mean personal style. There are just so many colors and so many gibbet charms that you can add to the Crocs to make them unique. You can dress up your Crocs to match your mood, to match your personality, to fit the occasion, and you can change them up day to day. I mean, ultimately, you can stand out from the crowd in a way that only you can because it's your personal style. And now, let's talk about comfort. You know, it doesn't get better than Crocs, clogs, and sandals when it comes to being comfortable. Style and comfort are usually a trade-off, but here... They're a package deal. It's like you have cushions on your feet. Soft, stylish, personalized, colorful cushions. That's right. So why wait? Head over to Crocs.com today and experience the comfort and style of Crocs classic clogs and sandals for yourself. Your feet will thank you. You may be aware that most people who are black have O blood type. O is commonly needed for emergencies and life-saving measures. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? You, along with the American Red Cross, regardless of your blood type, can help by donating blood. Every day, our blood saves lives and eases the pain for those living with sickle cell. When you donate blood, there is a direct positive impact within our community. Right now, there is great need for blood donations in the African-American community. Every donation counts and makes a difference in someone's life. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. There's power in every purchase because every time we buy a black-led brand, we make room for another black-led brand. And y'all know I love my lip bar products. That's just one. 
to name a few. There is a whole collection of Black-led products that fit into your daily routine. Show Black founders some love, not just during Black History Month, but all year long. That's right, y'all. Black founders and the products they bring to the table are creating a whole new world of choices at Walmart. That's right. Go to walmart.com slash black and unlimited to discover all the amazing Black-owned products you can add to your daily routine. All right, ladies, let's be real. Who here actually enjoys shaving their legs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought so. And get this. Near, yes, near, the OG that I used for years has now leveled up. And they have these new sensational shower creams and body creams that smell amazing. My personal favorite, coconut oil and vitamin E because it's gentle on my skin. And down to the body cream, rich cocoa butter and vitamin E body cream, which is a modern take on indulgent and classic femininity. Okay, it works in as little as three minutes, no nicks, no cuts, and the smooth skin lasts days longer than shaving. Nair's new sensational shower and body creams are free of all those nasty chemicals so you can feel good about what you're putting on your skin. Have a me time moment with Nair, the number one hair removal brand. Smell for yourself. Try the reformulated Nair body and shower creams available at retailers nationwide and online. All right, y'all. So now we're back for listener letters, which I think is easily becoming DeVal's favorite part of the show. Yeah, it is. I ain't gonna lie. Okay. Shoot. Shoot. I want to get people Do we agree too. on that? All right. We agree on that. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Y'all. First one. Hey, DeVal and Kadine, congrats on Dakota. Thank you, my sweet baby. He's the sweetest baby, y'all. Oh, man. Anywho, um, my boyfriend and I have been together for a year now, and we keep coming back to this recurring conversation. Fathering with a real father figure. Let me explain. My boyfriend feels as if because he didn't have a real father figure, he doesn't know how to be a father to his sons. Now I speak life into it and suggest that he learns the things that he wasn't taught and then teach his boys those things. I know in my personal experience, I've taken the things my daughter, my mother taught me and I appreciate and taught my daughter and omitted the things that I did like in order to parent my daughter. I feel that his fear of failing as a father is crippling him. Whenever his schedule allows, we have his boys. He's a great father considering he feels like he isn't. He doesn't have it all, but his children adore him because he gives them encouragement, a safe space to be themselves and speak freely. Is there anything else I can do on my part to help him? Okay, so he has these boys outside yeah. of her. Gotcha. Well, that's nice. Well, the first thing is um, it's not your responsibility to make him feel secure about being a father. Like, you just can't do that. We, mm-hmm. We've learned this uh, with Delena. With Delena. Yes. And we spoke about this. Like, there are two things, and specifically that you can't control is that someone else's happiness and someone else's security. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, their, their lack of happiness or feeling of insecurity comes from their personal experiences. Mm-hmm. And part of his insecurity comes from him not dealing with his father issues. Right. And men can have daddy issues, too. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, especially, like I said before, mentoring these young men who didn't have fathers, they come from fathers whose fathers were not there. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, like, you know, like this young man says, they feel like they don't know how mm-hmm. to father, mm-hmm. which is not always the case. You have to be willing to say to yourself, I know I'm going to make some mistakes along the way, but I'm going to figure out and we're going to mm-hmm. figure it out together. That's something I say to Jackson, Cairo and Kaz soon to be Dakota all the time. 
daddy makes mistakes. And I grew up with my father, my uncles, and my grandparents. Mm -hmm. So I've always had positive male figures in my life, but I still make mistakes. And every time we, we go through stuff and we're, we're talking about things like, my, the boys are at a point now, the minute I walk in a room, they like add attention because they think they're in trouble. Mm -hmm. You know, because, because of my work schedule, for a couple of months, I wasn't home. Mm -hmm. So then when I did come home, I was always checking them on stuff that I saw wrong. So every time I walk in the room, they felt like I was doing, like like they did something wrong. Mm -hmm. First of all, that was mistake number one, mm -hmm. right? So then after a while, I was like, damn, I, I get, I feel kind of bad every time I walk somewhere that they feel like they're in trouble. So I started just calling them mm -hmm. and be like, Jackson, Cairo, they're like, what? And I'm like, come here. So then they come and I hug them and be like, did I tell you I love you today? Mm -hmm. Just so that my presence doesn't put fear in their heart. Right. You know what I'm saying? But I also tell them like, hey, listen, you've never been 10 before, Jackson. This is your first time being 10. You're going to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. I've never had a 10-year-old. I'm going to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Can we make mistakes together and, and hug each other and, and figure it out? And he's like, yeah, we can. Like, yeah. yeah. So I think for, for you, young lady, continue to encourage him. Um, but he is going to have to do the work on his own outside of you. He's going to have to, I don't know how he's going to deal with his father issues. If it's therapy, speak mm -hmm. to his mom about what happened. But he's going to have to find a way to reconcile with not having a father if he's going to want to work on those insecurities. I think half the battle for him, which I admire, is the fact that he even acknowledges that. Yeah. He realizes that there may be a deficit Absolutely. for him as a father. Absolutely. Because he hasn't had his dad. Um, and then you talked about earlier paternal instinct kicking in the same way maternal instinct kicks in. Mm -hmm. So if he, I think, relies on that, and if they do have a healthy co-parenting relationship, I think it'll be great, and I think that he'll be okay once he, like you said, maybe gets mm -hmm. some therapy or deals with that. But I love that he is even speaking about that, and he's interested in finding ways to be a better father. Um, and that can be personal to him. So, Absolutely. for example, you're not doing some of the things that you've experienced with your dad. You said, no. for example, with Jackson. You did something with Jackson or you spoke to him about something recently and you said, you know, what, Jackson, I have to apologize to you because I did not go about this the right way. Yeah. You're apologizing to your 10 year old. Yeah. That's something that you said your dad never did. He never apologized or admitted fault sometimes. No. So that's something that you've taken from your experience with your dad. And you have now said, you know what, I'm going to do it differently. Him not my having parents, his dad there. My father or and my mom still, they don't to this day don't apologize. They just like, but it is what it is like. Right. Yeah. You're my child. And you know how that affected you growing yeah. up and how you felt kind of discredited a lot along yeah. the way. Yeah. So now you're taking that portion of your parents, you know, Absolutely. away with you and you're altering that. With him not having his father around, he can now create that life that he wants for Absolutely. himself and his, his boys. Um, so, yeah, just stick by his side like you've been, sis. Um, continue to speak life into him and maybe let him know, like, you know, just because you didn't have your dad around doesn't mean that you can't now create your own path just based off of what you see fit for your sons. Right. So, Cool. That's a good one. Number two, hello. Thank you both for always keeping it 100% and for always discussing hard subjects that no one else wants to talk about. We appreciate you, you for it. listening. Thank you so much. I am writing to you both for advice because I don't know what I should do in a relationship I am currently in. I'll try to keep this email short. I'm a 28-year-old woman while my boyfriend is 30. Essentially, we work extremely well together except for his insecurities and jealousy. We have two different views on how, when to keep people in our lives. He is not friends with any of his exes along with anyone he has ever slept with. I, on the other hand, am. He knew this coming into the relationship. He does not try to stop me from hanging out with any of these friends. However, his emotions become so high at the slightest mention of it. He starts playing a bunch of scenarios in his head and tricks himself into thinking I'm playing him. He shuts down and almost immediately needs space from me. He tells me I'm not doing anything wrong, but it always feels like I am because of how high his emotions get. 
I have cheated before in another relationship while he never has. However, when we initially met over 10 years ago, we were in a FWB relationship. I'm not sure. Oh, friends with benefit relationship. Mm -hmm. While I was in an open relationship, I understand his perspective on things and I'm not upset with him for having them. I just don't know what to do because every time I suggest an alternative, he immediately shuts it down. What advice can you guys give me? You want to go first? Well, again, I mean, insecurities is something that you can't control. Jealousy, you can't control. He knew what it was, apparently, when he got with you because you've explained that you guys both kept it 100 in, mm -hmm. in, in the beginning. So that sounds like a him problem. Yeah. Not a you problem, sis. Um, but to the point where it's always an argument, where it's always jealousy, it's always these scenarios that he's playing in right. his head. Him not being secure with himself is not something that you can teach him. And if that's going to be a detriment to you and the relationship with him, then maybe you need to reassess if this is something you even want to be a part of See, long term. I, I think that's a, um, that's a really good suggestion that a lot of people don't want to hear. Right. It's like fix my relationship. Sometimes mm -hmm. a relationship can't be fixed. Right. Especially if one person doesn't want to fix themselves or feel strongly about something, which he right. says it seems like he does. Well, um, it seems as if he has insecurities. Either he was cheated on or he watched someone be cheated on mm -hmm. and it affected him and it triggers him. Mm -hmm. So now he's trying his hardest to be understanding and to be, you know, accepting of her lifestyle of having a friend that she had sex with mm -hmm. but it's difficult right he has to be honest with her and say this is difficult for me mm -hmm. and she has to be honest with him and say well i don't i'm not willing to change this and he has to be honest with himself because how many times have we or not we per se but i know i have sometimes agreed to or signed up to things that i thought i would be okay with mm -hmm. and then i'm in the thick of things and i'm like mm, on second thought i don't think i like this so question what made you, you know? say it what made me say what made you agree to something because it's like sometimes you'll talk yourself into it. You'll be like, you know what? Oh, it's not going to be that bad. Or, oh, this probably is a worst case scenario or this may happen, but it probably really won't happen. Mm. So then you just talk yourself into thinking, all right, well, if it did happen, I'd be okay. Not really thinking it's going to happen. But when it does right. happen, you're like, damn, now that it's actually here, I don't think I, I wonder like what's the way that this called. feels. I wonder, I wonder what, what's that called. Because I'm sure there's a diagnosis me, for that. for example, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm thinking about all of the things so you're, th you're him thinking about all the scenarios. Yeah, but be because I'm him thinking about all of the scenarios, I I would say I'm not comfortable. I'm not going to think you. about all the scenarios and then say I'm comfortable with it mm -hmm. and hope that that scenario don't happen. Like right. that's a recipe for disaster. Right. Because I've learned that the someone, hard way. Once you give someone the license to do something. Right. Saying that, okay, five things can happen if I give them this license. Mm-hmm. Of the five things, two I don't like. There's a chance that two of those things might, might happen. happen. You can't say once two of those things happen, well, I didn't like this. That's unfair. Yes. That's not that's not honest. That's not transparent with yes. the person that you're being you're dating. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So you cannot do that. And and for me, that's how I've always lived my life. Mm -hmm. I'm like, listen. So you're thinking not, of all ten scenarios. I'm thinking like, of all ten scenarios, okay. and I'm gonna say, okay, of all ten scenarios, four of these I don't like. So I don't feel comfortable with you moving forward in that direction because 10 things can happen. Mm -hmm. And then you at that point can say, all right, I appreciate your thoughts, but I'm still going to move forward doing it. Mm -hmm. And then I have to make a decision and say, if I want to stick around for that, or you can say, hmm, I don't it's like, not really worth it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Or you can say, I don't have a good feeling about you telling me what you like and don't like. So I don't want to be in this situation. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? And, yeah, and the, the truth of the matter is, 
it's okay to walk away from people. Mm-hmm. It's okay that some people are seasonal. Some people are here just to teach you a lesson. Yep. It's not a failure. It's, yo, after talking for hours and hours on days on mm-hmm. days for months, we've realized we're not compatible. Nope. We're Let's, trying to fit this square peg into a circle hole and see it just ain't happening. And that's yep. okay, too. So I think, you know, as long if y'all keep having conversations and realize that y'all are not compatible, it's okay to move on. That's a fact. Save everybody some time, right? Yes. Shit, because that's something that we're always at a deficit for. If you want to be featured as a listener letter, be sure to email us at deadassadvice at gmail.com. And, oh, my bad. You um, forgot your part, bro. What happened? I did because I was thinking about moment of truth. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, you had your coffee this my morning? My bad. That's D-E-A-D-A-S-S-A-D-V-I-C-E at gmail.com. All right, moment of truth time. Coming off of conversation about... Uh, parenting and whose way is the right way. Here's my moment of truth, baby. What's it's up? very simple. When two people have a baby coming from two different backgrounds, two different families, two different lifestyles, mm-hmm. right? Two different genders, mm-hmm. right? There's going to be some things that y'all don't agree on. It's going to take some months for y'all to figure it out. It may take y'all some years to figure it out. That don't mean that your relationship is a waste. Mm-hmm. embrace the challenge of wanting to be with someone and raise a life together mm-hmm. and go into it excited about learning more about your spouse mm-hmm. or your significant other and, and being in it together to raise this child. Don't run from what people call the hard times. Mm-hmm. You know, the stuff, you know, relationships are hard. It's not hard. Having constant conversations is not hard. It's very beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I have created a whole brand off of having these conversations. Like we've, have a whole podcast. You know, mm-hmm. we're working on a bunch of different things. And I feel like people need to understand that these conversations are not taboo and they're not destructive to your relationship. Mm-hmm. You're not going to just Nor have is a there baby. a finish point or an ending line. Say that again. Say uh, it again. Nor is there a finish line or an ending point one for more these time. conversations. One more time. Say one more there time. is no finish line or ending point for these conversations. Because then they ask us this at dinner. Yes. When, well, when does it stop? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> That's my moment of truth. The conversations never stop, y'all. They never stop. They always need to be had because particularly when it comes to children, there's always a different phase. There's always something yes. new. They're continuing to grow for the next 18 years and sometimes mm-hmm. past 18 years of life. And then you also have to take into consideration at some point once the children become of age, the child's feeling and how they yes. can see you guys interacting, yes. you know, and how that can affect them as well, too. So the conversations never stop. The conversations are healthy. The conversations, we hope, bring more clarity. Mm -hmm. And I think you should also, too, keep in mind that you love this person and you decided to sit down with this person or lay down with this person Mm -hmm. in most scenarios, Um, particularly, you know, husbands and wives and people who are together, that there has to be something that you love about the person that you're with, how they were raised, how they were brought up. Um, You may have a relationship with their family. So knowing the particular background that you... um, your spouse or your partner has too may also play a role in it. Yeah. The funny thing is sometimes that may cause you to go in a different direction because you're like, damn, I don't like the way my my mother-in-law or father-in-law hey. did that. But at least there's an awareness and the conversation needs Nothing to be wrong had. With that. Yes. You'd be like, I don't know what they did <laughs> with my spouse's brother or sister, but whatever it is, I'm not signing up to it. Yes. All right, y'all. 
Be sure to follow us on social media if you're not already. So the Deadass Podcast page, I love it because people are starting to engage there yes. and we're trying to post more and stuff there. So and y'all are writing the some team. topics for us to talk about. Oh, yeah. We're, continue we're to give topics us topics. There, so. We would love that. Um, yes. So continue to put stuff on the Deadass the Podcast page. And then, of course, Kadeen, I am. And I am Devout. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Deadass, yo. Deadass. Deadass is a production of iHeartMedia Podcast Network and is produced by Denora Pena and Tribble. Follow the podcast on social media at Deadass the Podcast and never miss a thing. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. You may have heard that most people who are black have O blood type. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help us save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now.